once you go through each step and your partnership is solid and your friendship is, is developing and you're enjoying each other, that part starts to become really easy because when you are comfortable and vulnerable with somebody, it's easy to say, hey, how about we try this? Or, hey, I'd rather you do this. Or do you want to try that? Because you're friends and it's not so like, Oh, awkward. Like, do you? Yeah, I think, do I it think tonight? you know, getting to that place of vulnerability, especially for Brandy, you know, was born through our friendship of yes. me creating a safe space for her to be able to say, you know, I really don't like it when you do that. But hey, I like it when you do do this. Yes. And so like, do more of that, less of this. And, you know, but that came up through our the friendship. Our friendship. Thanks for downloading. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. And we aspire to have real conversations that celebrate the people, ideas, and companies that stand out. We're sponsored by the good folks at Oracle NetSuite. If you want to turbocharge the growth of your business, as a listener to this podcast, NetSuite is offering you a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. Check out netsuite.com different today. And if you're new, thank you so much for uh, checking us out. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're a longtime uh, listener to this podcast, I want you to know uh, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You're the reason I do it. And I know I can speak for everybody else involved with this podcast. Um, we just appreciate you tremendously. On this episode, we hang out with two of my absolute favorite people, uh, Lance and Brandy Salazar. And uh, as their sharing of last names might suggest, they are a married couple. And they are the co-authors with my good buddy, Hal Elrod, of the brand new book, The Miracle Morning for Couples. And it's subtitled, Creating a Legendary Connection One Morning at a Time. And I've known um, Brandy and Lance for a long time. I've watched their relationship go through many ups and downs. Uh, I know their kids. They have two beautiful girls. And um, I want you to know that they are not some um, idiot self-help talking down to you from the mountain kind of idiots. They are real people. And we have a fun, real, no BS conversation about uh, marriage co-designing your life with your partner. Uh, we talk about how uh, Brandy and Lance came back from the brink of divorce to create the relationship of their dreams and so much more. Um, on this episode, I think you're going to gain some real practical insights that you can put to use in your life right away. Check out lockhead.com, L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D.com for the show notes for this episode. Uh, grab the key takeaways and learn more about uh, Lance and Brandy's amazing backgrounds. Now, without any further ado, hey-ho, let's go. What's that term that you say when someone's a big deal? <laughs> ding dong. Oh, yeah, they're ding a big dong. ding dong. <laughs> it's a bunch of big ding dongs. Right? A lot of big ding dongs swinging right. around in here. So imagine being a kid when when all you're surrounded by is big ding dongs all the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't want to get whacked in the head with a ding dong. 
I love that term. Yeah, a term of endearment for the other thing I love about ding dong is so it I use it for like executive management or very highfalutin people, right? And any other expensive or highfalutin thing. You like, do, oh, yes. Did you see Jimmy? That's very ding dong. He just got a very ding dong car there, didn't he? Because I don't remember <laughs> the names of all this shit. And right. I, not so much now, although I still have a nice meal in a restaurant, you know, from time to time, but Back in the day when I was an executive traveling all the time, you know, you'd get back from Sweden or wherever and someone say, oh, you know, dude, what, what do you, where'd you go? What'd you eat? Did you drink some nice wine? I'm like, I don't remember any of that shit. And it's like, well, yeah. So we went to a very ding dong restaurant and they served up some Chateau Neuf ding dong. And <laughs> exactly. So it's a good placeholder. You don't have to, if you're like, really, you can't remember anything. It sounds like you're telling somebody a story when in point of fact, you really have no idea. <laughs> it's funny because every time you tell stories like that, I it just makes me laugh because like that's Chris's placeholder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it snaps right in. So how do I have a ding dong marriage? So one is I got to get my physical environment right for oh, my right. family and yeah. myself. And and what I'm hearing you say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think what I'm hearing you say is um, um, that you can't just live somewhere for work reasons. You got to think about it in a more broader context, but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So how do you think about getting where you live? Right? Well, the, the, the getting where we live right came after, honestly. So, you know, for us, our, our, our brand and our mission is, um, directly related to our experience because for us our marriage was fine and lovely before we had kids and our kids came in like a freight train and you know number one and we're in counseling and number two and I'm like move out and so that's where like the kick-in happened for us and and once we got on the the place of fixing our marriage or moving our marriage forward to a place of what we now call legendary and not just complacent, not just, you know, suck or don't suck. Like how do you have a legendary relationship? And then getting to that place of, of designing it, it wasn't until that designing part really came to fruition that we identified the fact that we weren't in the right town well, for us. Right. And what we just, what we, found out and going through this process was that we hadn't defined our values, right. you know, and our values. One of those was, was like environment, you know, what, what is around you? And so when we decided that environment was really that important to us, especially for the girls too, as well, and our relationship, that's when I became the catalyst to evaluating where we really wanted to be. Hmm. So, so fascinating. Yeah, it so was a byproduct. Mm -hmm. A byproduct of sort of life and relationship design? Yeah, once we decided to, once we really defined our relationship and, and designed our relationship, it, it, everything falls into place, right? Because you, it's your whole, it's the center of your world. If you choose to be married or in partnership with someone. Yeah, it's important to kind of write them down. I mean, that was a different scene. You know, we didn't just talk about them. We literally like put pen to paper or, you know, and said, well, what are these values and what do we want that, what do we want it to look like? And, and that, you know, like you said, environment, that was, it's important. We're like, well, once we got down to the nitty gritty and mapped it all out, it wasn't where we were. And yeah. the life that we were living was not the life that we wanted to live. We had created, this is, I mean, a whole other story. Like we had just created this life that we thought we were supposed to create because this is what you do. You know, you get the great career and then you buy the, 
this. The ding dong house. The ding dong house. The ding dong cars. Right. We had all the ding dong things. Which can come with some very serious ding dong mortgages and loans and shit if you don't plan it right. Yes. We had a lot of ding dong. And it was, we call it feeding the beast. So our lifestyle was essentially to continue to feed this beast that we had created that we thought that we wanted because this is supposed to, you get the house, that's happy, right? That's what brings the happiness. Oh, you get the car, that's what brings you happy. Oh, you get to have all the clothes, you get to eat all the restaurants, that's what brings you happy. That was the life that we lived and it is empty, (laughs) empty. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The way I sort of process this part of it on the stuff side, you know, houses and cars and shit, if the houses and cars and shit and the restaurants and the meals and all the ding dongery. (laughs) Uh, If that is sort of, you know, I'm not even sure I'd say icing on the cake, but maybe sprinkles on the cake. Right. So if if in general I have good, strong relationships, I'm in a solid marriage. um, uh, In general, I love what I do. In general, I've achieved a level of competency that makes me feel fulfilled. That My I'm, finances are solid in general. Yeah. Yeah. So if yeah. you sort of, I think about it as being a 360 degree person, like you sort of in, in every area of life, you generally, not that anybody's ever going to be perfect or whatever, but, but you've generally got it handled. And then on top of that, if you sprinkle on some, hey, I got a really great car that I love. Or, yeah. hey, um, there's a new, there's, like in Santa Cruz, there's a very ding-dong restaurant that just opened up. It's the dingest mm. of the dongest. <laughs> <laughs> and like a steak is 75 bucks or something. And, uh, and we went there shortly after it opened, and it was fucking awesome. I mean, these guys absolutely crushed it. And, uh, you know, it's fun to be able to do that and not have to worry uh, about the bill. Um, but to your point, if you get it inverted, which is, I think, a mistake that many of us can make. That's where shit gets fucked up. Yep. And so how did you, when you realized, well, let me, 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 because this one's worth unpacking. A, how did you realize that sort of the traditional path that you were on, making the money and feeding the beat, what was the wake up call to say like, I'm not so sure. And then from there we can talk about how you designed to where you are now. I would say two things with a wake up call. Um, me asking Lance to move out would be part of it. And the other part was I was having um, anxiety attacks at night about just life in general, the business, the overwhelm of the kids and the house and the marriage falling apart and all the things. And I just, I felt like I was drowning. And um, so when you, say to your husband when you have two kids and just finished building this house and you have, you know, this career and all this stuff and you look at him and say, it's time for you to find a place to go because we're, we're done. Can't do this anymore. Because we had all the things, right? We had, you know, great careers. We had a great house. We had all the great things, all the things that society told us were apparently would buy us happiness or bring us happiness. We had everything we needed. But we were still, you know, our marriage sucked. Well, and there was a lot of overwhelm. Okay, so, you know, Lance is a a contract negotiator for Blue Shield. He's a pharmacist and making a great amount of money. And I'm a real estate investor making a great amount of money. We have a lot of social accolades in our careers. And, you know, although he hates his job and he's depressed and his, 
you know, health isn't a top priority and our marriage isn't a top priority. And I'm, you know, continuing to feed this beast of social accolades for my career and continue to bring in, you know, as much money as I can, because that's what my goals are. And then I wait, I've got these, this daughter that's having anxiety and all these things. And so it was the, the priority or the, you know, you just said it perfectly. We were flipped upside down. We are flipped because if yeah. we operate from a place of what are my values, what actually brings me the, the feeling of fulfillment and this word that I love so much right now, fucking freedom. Freedom. I want to feel free. I want to wake up every single day and be able to choose what I do and who I do it with. And when you get into that rat race, guess what? Most people don't get to choose. Yeah. You got one of my favorite thing. quotes of all time. I probably say it like a broken record, but is the Lily Tomlin quote. At least it's attributed to her. Who the hell knows who anybody, what anybody ever said? But apparently, <laughs> she said the trouble with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. <laughs> yes, right. And that's us. Like we won. Okay, we won. We built this gorgeous, beautiful custom home. We had great careers. We had money coming in. We had great cars or all the things. I mean, just check the box, and we checked. Well, and from a purely optics point of view, you know, I I didn't know you guys then, but I certainly have known you, you know, for a while now. You guys look like the perfect couple. You know, Lance is the handsome, you know, great hair, man beard (laughs) thing going on. You know, just a very, uh, as as the French say, suave and de boner. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Fucking a, Brandy! You're a blonde supermodel. You know, the right, two look at of our you kids and look your at the kids. Girl, right? Your kids look like some ad for you know making kids. Hey, don't you want to make some of these little beauties? I mean, the two of them are little supermodels, right? Two beautiful little girls. And so right. the interesting thing is, you had gotten the optical magic show perfect. A Pinterest reel. We had crushed the Pinterest reel. Yes, you had the Pinterest marriage. Yes. And yet you were throwing him out. And and so what was it about the Pinterest marriage that made you want to kick Lance out of the house and and creating all this anxiety and starting to freak out your beautiful little girls? And like, why didn't you, you won, you won. And yet not so much. No, actually, it was like not at all. And that was the the big aha for me as we started to unravel this and um, the, number one, I always struggled. And I remember distinctly certain fights that we would have is that I struggled so much with the inauthentic, or, or unauthentic, inauthentic, yeah, like energy of our lives. I'm like, we look so fucking perfect. And yet I want to strangle you. I want to strangle myself. I feel like I'm feeling everywhere. And so the, the problem was, is that it was all just moving too fast. And there was this person inside of me. And now I know that Lance feels the same way. And, and he did at the time that it was all moving so fast that this person inside of me that actually had dreams and aspirations and had a voice and was different than everyone else was being stifled and smashed into this you know, life and buried in this life somewhere. Like, where was I in all of this? Who did I, like, who did I want to be? Like, who did we want to be together? 
Yeah. And another big point, you said you had two points, but I think, I don't know if the second point is the one I'm about to say, but, you know, we didn't like the model of marriage we were portraying for our daughters. They were like, you know, if we want them to have beautiful relationships, because I mean, really, your relationships are like your number one. To us now, our relationships are all that really matter. And we were portraying something different. Shallow. Yeah, shallow to them. And if like we wanted them to have amazing relationships down the road, we needed to either model that or split up and find new people that we could model that with. You know, we've had people ask us before, well, didn't you consider staying together for the kids? And we're like, no, we actually were getting separated for the kids, you know I mean? Because we're not showing them all that is possible. Right. That's a very powerful thing. I, I Look, and I'm not a dad, so what do I know? But I, I always am curious when people say, oh, well, you know, we're staying together for the kids. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. really? So you're going to model a shitty relationship for your kids? Um, anyway, I, I know there's no easy answers, but so you come to this place and you realize, you know, you're moving too fast and you're sort of praying to these false gods of, you know, money and ding dong houses and cars and shit. Um, but you want to throw your husband out of the house. And so it's hard for many of us, I think, to get our self-conscious when we find that we've gone unconscious and we're on some path. And so what was the sort of the wake up call where, was it just Brandy when you realized, Hey, wait a minute, I just threw Lance out of the house. Or what, what was the thing that made you say, stop, change, start that we're, we're going to do this over again. She's got a great story. So yeah, this is a great story. And it is a story of um, coaches and relationships. And so Um, The interesting piece to all of this is I had just heard you speak the October prior um, in Reno, I think it was, at a One Life conference, right? And so this legend or suck, don't suck, legendary thing had really, to be honest, was part of the demise. It's the beginning of the demise of my relationship. It was the beginning of the demise of my career, like all these things. I left that conference and quit my, my partnership that I had been in for 15 years, which was a big deal for me. And because I knew your real that, estate partnership. Yes. My real yeah. estate for 15 years. And, um, so that was the first step. And then my marriage began to unravel big time because again, I was like my, no, I'm hanging out really, really cool here in this don't suck category. And I'm not like full on suck. Right. But I am don't suck like to a big degree here. Well, a few months go on, you know, life continues and things continue to unravel. Well, you know, as luck would have it, I am on a call with a very intense um, coach about something completely different. GoBundance at the time was looking to launch a women's GoBundance and I was, you know, right. And so I'm on the calls to, you know, start this women's GoBundance with a man by the name of Rock Thomas. And so... I get off. I of course no rock. He and I share share a follicle um, commitment. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and he's been on he's been on this podcast. He should be. And he is a very awesome dude and a very sexy dude. But I I bet you he was very direct. Was he not? No messing around. So so I get off this call with him, and I literally, you know what? It's like the the world just, you know, God's just shining down, and they're like, "Here's the voice. You better fucking hear it." It was 
that's your coach right there. That's the guy you need to kick your ass right now because you're struggling and you're struggling hard and you're struggling in every area and you need someone to, you need someone that is as intense as you, but more to be able to really annihilate you. (laughs) And I knew I needed it. And so I wrote him and said, do you do one-on-one coaching? He said, I will coach you. And so we began this we coached for three months together and just you and rock not not with Lance. Just, nope nope just rock and i and uh, of course my marriage comes up because you know rocks all in rocks just like we're clean let's just book all, all the things right and so long story short rock does a really good job of letting me know what a fucking asshole i am <laughs> in a really kind way right like you suck like you're bringing these childhood bullshit baggage things into your relationship and you are is it, like is this the person you want to be is this the energy you want to bring to your life like so long story short i've got rock in one ear okay and then i have this dear friend of mine beverly steiner who is also one of the women that's working on the same go abundance women's event and She and I are at coffee to talk about this and she has been, she had been through a couple of divorces and she handed it to me and basically said that the things that you are struggling with are the things that can be fixed and they are the things that you have the power to fix and you're giving up on a great guy and you're a great woman and all of these things. And what are you going to trade and who, who's perfect? Cause you're perfect. Like, you know, cause of course you sit at a, a coffee with somebody and, and talk about your side. And she did such a beautiful job of, you know, showing the other side to me and explaining to me all the way through, you know, 20 years later, what it was that I was, I was putting at stake here. And, um, between rock and, and Bev, I walked home that day or I drove home and I walked into the kitchen and he was home. And I just said, not only are we not getting divorced, but, um, we're going to, we're going to make the best, the most legendary, best relationship we ever we could. And it's like, it's time. And, And what was your reaction at that moment, Lance? I was like, you know, hey, let's go. Fine. You know, let's let's do this. And um, we did some cool things, you know, with it. We decided that we were going to relieve ourselves of some of the pressure of those very intimate pieces of our relationship because we just weren't there. You know, we were we felt so far behind that trying to be super great friends and super intimate wasn't the first step. The first step was working on ourselves. She, you know, was working on herself with rock and and talking to Bev, and I had my own journey, you know, but what was nice is we gave each other permission to spend that time creating the best selves we possibly could because they knew that's what we needed to get right. I'd lost confidence. I'd lost my mojo. Uh, You know, I felt like Brandy was emasculating me, and I I had to get my shit back together. I had to become, you know, the person I really wanted to be again, and um, that permission also gave me that ability to, to let go of expectation, to let go of knowing that or being concerned with any direction I took, how Brandy was going to react to that. It was more or less, I'm just going to do this. And if she comes back to me, great. If not, I'll be a better, I'll be better for the next relationship. So when you and, were kind of rebuilding your relationship, I, look, you kicked me under the table if you don't want to go this specific, but 
in the beginning of this sort of renewal phase, if you will, when Brand- that day Brandy comes home and, and forward from there, in the beginning, it sounds like, did you take sex off the table? Yeah, we did. We yeah, did. but we hadn't been having sex for a long time. Yeah, so it's been. A, so it was a already off months, the table. Like, <laughs> it was all yeah, it was more like like you know we've had too much wine. Like let's have sex, but like that was really the extent of our sex life. We removed the pressure of it, right? You know, like the like, well, we haven't had sex in a while. This relationship sucks. We removed the bad aspect because it. it was an argument. Yeah. yeah. It was a point of contention. So essentially what we did, and you know, Lance coined it as putting our marriage on the shelf. We just said, you know, we're going to put our marriage on this shelf. The first step is going to be that we're going to work on ourselves. We are going to become two happy, whole people on our own. And that's what Rock really brought to my attention. And I had had coaches before, and this is nothing against those coaches. They brought me to a, a you know, amazing place in other ways. But what Rock did for me because I think part of it was that he and I had had some similar similarities with our upbringing is that he really brought to the forefront that I needed some cleanup to do, that I was like really carrying these, you know, Samsonites into our relationship that weren't yeah. necessary. Right. Don't we all in some, you know? Yeah. And look, and again, you tell me how deep you want to go on. You this. can just go. Yeah. But, uh, I remember years ago now, I think it was after that Reno event where you sent Tim and I and some of the other, folks involved with one life a pretty extensive email yeah about your childhood um so i guess tell me how sort of having that childhood that you had was kind of interfering with being who you wanted to be and and therefore being the way you wanted to be in your marriage and then what you were able to do because you had some very serious uh samsonites I really did. And what's interesting, and I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit because what's interesting about the um, false uh, facade of success is that I believed that I had pushed through it all because my life looked the way that it did. You know, my, my parents were poor. I came from a lot of physical, sexual abuse, abandonment. I was homeless at 15 years old, like crazy stuff. The people, the stuff that makes people cringe, right? That was my childhood. And so from 15 to 23, I, I crush it and I become partner in a commercial development firm and then go on to, you know, be in magazines for real estate flipping and make millions of dollars, right? And so in my mind, I had this belief system that I don't have anything to fix. I'm fucking awesome, right? Until Rock, who has a bit of a mirror with my upbringing, looks at me and says, but is this how you want to be showing up in your life? Like, is this how you want to be reacting to things? Is this how you want to be close to your partner? Is this how you want to be a mom? And and some of the things that I really didn't take a look at before, because again, this facade said, Brandy, you're awesome. Here's the other thing. I had social accolades. Everybody was telling me how awesome I was because I was crushing it, right? I'm making all this money. I'm making people money. I'm, you know, life looks really awesome. So good job, right? And so what I was bringing was, an abandoned little girl that didn't trust anyone and was unable to be vulnerable and unable to have ownership over, you know, this really crappy energy and, and controlling dominating energy that I would bring. I so remember let me one. ask you a tough go question. Ahead. And I, I don't yeah, mean go. this in any judgmental way about any, anybody. There are people that 
many of us know in our in our lives who uh, yeah. were sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused as children. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the exact statistics are, but I've read it's one in four, one in three. I mean, it's a terrifying number of people really high. who've yeah. had some amount of this stuff. And I'm not talking about, you know, your mom yelled at you one day and gave you a wee spanking. You know, I'm talking about serious, yeah, no bullshit, physical, sexual, uh, psychological abuse that you had to go through. There are many people, uh, or many, there are some people who are crushed by that. Yeah. There are some people who can't get uh, beyond that, can't own it, can't, what, whatever language you want to have around it. And um, for whatever reason, um, it's, 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 if not the defining event or set of events in their life, it's certainly one of them. And look, I'm no doctor and uh, I don't know what it's like to go through that. That was not something that happened to me in my life. So I have no judgment if, if you're somebody who's, you know, working on that stuff and is not able to move forward uh, or is working on moving forward or wherever you are in that, I understand that that can be massively crushing for many, many people. But with all that said, Brandy, um, somehow that has not been true for you. You are not stopped by any of that stuff. And I don't even... My experience of you is you're not defined by that stuff. It's part of who you are. Right. But I'm curious, how did you, how do you unpack all that stuff and then get on with sort of Lance and designing the kind of amazing marriage that you have with Lance in the context of unpacking all that stuff? Well, I, I had unpacked part of it, you know, and I will say that, um, you know, I don't, because I have, I have brothers that have not um, ended up quite the same as I have. And so I know what the alternative is. And the truth is that in some ways I had this grit and anger, <laughs> really this like intense passion that was like, fuck this shit. I'm like, I'm not going to be like them. And I, and I did, and I'm going to show them and I'm going to prove that to them, you know, whatever that may be, that was a big part of my driving force. However, what I didn't realize until I was coached by rock is that there are there were things that I was still carrying. Like, for example, I chose to marry this man and yet I was never trusting enough to let go. And number one, let him be a true partner in our relationship because I didn't trust anyone because I got to, I, if it's going to be done, I got to handle it and I've got to control it. And if I don't control it, guess what happens? I'm not safe. Right. And so those were things that as much as the world thought that Brandy had overcome this, like really, intense childhood. I, I hadn't, I was still carrying some of this stuff that wasn't allowing me to be in partnership with, with this amazing person that was given to me. I didn't give him a chance, you know, and same thing as a mom, like I was carrying and I still today carry my, some of my reactions to my kids. I stop myself and go, wait, what it was so not yeah. like, it did not match up. And it yeah. really is coming from old trauma that I just carry inside that I have to consciously work through step by step. And so as much as, yes, I got through it, a lot of it and I persevered and it was grit and it was, you know what it is? It's survival. So, you know, you get to this place at a certain point where it's like, okay, you got to move out. You're, you, you don't get to be here anymore. You're 15 years old. You're on your own. It was fight or flight. 
And somehow, by the grace of God, whatever the heck we want to call it, Brandy chose to fight. And I fought hard and I fought smart. And so, and I do believe in blessings because, you know, person one, here, guide me. Person two, here, guide me. Like, I didn't do this on my own. It was like this education that I didn't get in life. I was then gifted as an adult. And so in a a weight 10x, really, 10x when it came to business. And um, so, you know, it's an, an interesting question because there's a lot of it that I just, I just made a choice and I wasn't willing because I watched what everybody else did. And I was like, oh, okay. So my dad was in prison my entire life off and on. And so do I go that path? Is that, is that what I do? Or do I just, just keep trying until something works? And is again, as much as that part clicked for me and it clicked, like literally the heavens opened up and Brandy Salazar went from homeless at 15 to a millionaire by 25, like crazy 10 years, like who, what? That's insanity. <laughs> like that part of it crushed. However, yeah. this man sitting next to me saw the other side of this right. broken little girl that didn't know how to be in relationships and didn't know how to be vulnerable and didn't know how to connect and relinquish control. And so as you're working on each uh, on yourselves, at what point um, do you guys start working on the relationship to design the relationship that you truly want to have in your life and the relationship that I see you having now? I, I don't know if there was a specific event, Chris, or I can't remember one other than I remember the feeling of us falling back in love. I remember the feeling of us enjoying each other's company again. I remember being friends and we stopped and said, okay, time out. We're, we actually like each other now. We like being around each other, but let's not fall into the same traps and pitfalls we did before, which was this cycle of, you know, fixing things that were broken that all they, they always, you know, if there was some little hole to patch, we patch the hole, but then another hole would show up and we, our relationship was constantly getting back to this sort of starting line and it never went past that and never actually entered the race, so to speak of, you know, to try and get to a finish line or to a goal. And we said, okay, we like each other again. We're enjoying each other's company. We're falling back in love. Let's do something different. Let's not do the same shit we did before. Because I would even remember that having this defeatist mentality of like, well, she's acting like she likes me now, uh, but when's it going to be shitty again? And I, I, didn't, I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And so we said, okay, we're going to sit down and just like other things in our life where we have a plan and goals, we're going to do that with our marriage. We're going to directionalize our relationship. In fact, I think that's a word, but we created direction for our relationship. We pointed it, you know, we got stood shoulder to shoulder and pointed our compass in a direction and said, that's the direction we're going. And, yeah. and the, the thing that I, th- I think was a, uh, well, no, I know, was a, a big pivotal moment for us is we said, okay, what the fuck have we had success with in the past? Okay, wait, Brandy, you've great business, like whatever comes at you, crushing it, right? Health. We know that when we apply X, Y, and Z, like we are on it with our health. Lance is in the health industry, right? He's this is great. And so we knew that there were proven success paths for things, but we couldn't find a success path for relationships. So what we did is we bought a ton of books because that's, you know, what you do when you want to learn about something. We just Amazon the shit out of books. And we sat at our dining room table with our 
big, huge, uh, the sliding glass door and we got post-its and we said, okay, what are all the components of a legendary relationship? Like, what does this look like? And we just started putting all of these just words, words, phrases, all these things all over this, this, um, this sliding glass door. And we very quickly figured it out. And it was four elements that it takes to make a legendary relationship. And all right, let's have them. What are the four elements? We're not talking about mediocre here. We're not talking about suck or don't suck. We're talking about legendary. You go. Right. So we talked about the first one, you know, which was you, you know, working on ourselves, creating two happy, healthy individuals, you know, yeah, confident, you know, I I realized like one of my huge realizations or ahas in all this study was like, my wife is not responsible for my happiness. I'm only responsible for my own, nor can I control her. I only have control of myself. And so that's the first one working on ourselves. Uh, The number, the second one is partners, partnership. It's the kind of the unsexy part of it. You know, it's like the chores and the finances and, you know, if you have kids, it's, you know, how are we going to raise our kids? You know, uh, what's their calendar like? And uh, it's roles and responsibilities. It's uh, it's a first step after you because it's where a lot of couples, even like us, get stuck. It's where they can't get out of. They're constantly bitching at each other about who didn't take the garbage out or, you know, why this didn't get done or you're spending too much money, you know, on stuff or they're not having conversations about find their financial future at all. And that's the second, the second. Right, or they don't have a plan in place. Right. Like it's just, these are the basics. This is the foundation of survival. If you don't have these things dialed, don't expect to have an awesome sex life and a great friendship. Like I'm always amazed when I talk to some couples and they don't, they aren't open about finances and they're not sort of, if you will, financial partners and they're not right. talking about their, you know, retirement plans and, and their annual uh, spending budget and their annual income and how they're trying to do stuff. And, you know, except like I'm always amazed that some couples seem to operate in the dark of a financial conversation. Um, that one always blows me away. Yeah. And, you know, Brandy and I aren't like financial advisors. I wouldn't come to us for financial Not advice no. <laughs> at all. But what we have is transparency. And light communication. on it. Well, let's right. talk about it. She know we both know exactly where we stand with everything. We both have plans in place, you know, together as a couple and as a family. And I think it's okay to have separate finances if the conversation and it's amicable. Like it's just one of the pieces of your partnership. Like there's right. many other pieces, right? There's so much to it. It's the business of your relationship. So if the one part of money is that you keep it separate and this is how you handle it, and fine, do that. But make sure that it's a, a mutual conversation and a mutual decision where you're both on the same page and there isn't animosity. Or secrets. Or secrets, because this is where that gets trapped. We all, yeah. you know, we now call it the partnership loop because it's where a lot of couples, especially when you throw the kids onto the, the mix, like throw that on and it's like you get stuck in this loop. Who's got this and where's this and we don't have time for that. And then, you know, none of these things are getting, nobody cleaned the toilet and you, you know, forgot to schedule this. And so we get stuck in that place. And, and so until we have that foundation, at least a foundation and solid enough to where we can move past and open ourselves up to, Oh, okay. I feel secure enough to move on to the next phase. It's, it's almost impossible to do it. Yeah. I, I so couldn't next, agree with, with you more. So go, go ahead, Lance. Oh yeah. And I was going to say the next one after that is friends. 
you know, it's becoming friends again. And a lot of what we're, we're saying is really how our journey was. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was born yeah, out of our journey. And what was important to us. So, right. Well, yeah. And so as we talked to other couples too, it just became more solidified that they were on a, a similar journey and a similar path. So after we got ourselves dialed in, got in the systems in place for our partnership, that's when we all were like, oh, well, we like each other. We're having fun. I can make her laugh again. She actually loves spending time with me. Where, you know, we're like, hey, you know, going on dates and, and getting to know each other, just even asking each other simple little right. questions from cards, you know. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was like we were dating again and having a good time. And after that, that's from that friendship, the, the true intimacy and that vulnerability that is so hard to achieve sometimes with another person. And the, 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 the real connected sex, the last element is lovers. It's the pinnacle. You know, it's, it's when all the of those The last element things, is what? Lovers. lovers. Oh, lovers. Lovers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, partners, friends, lovers. Yeah. In that order. And, and the order part is what's so important. And I think that's what we were missing. We were fighting about the sex when uh, we didn't know who was taking out the trash and, you know, or what the balance was in the bank account. Like, <laughs> Get the, uh, Carrie said this when we interviewed you guys, like get the basics done first. And it's so true. We we couldn't agree more. So one, yourself, two, your partnership, including the financial piece, but not just the financial piece, who's taking out the garbage, who's doing the dishes, who's driving the kids to school. What's your role in the relationship? It's the business. It's the unsexy stuff. Yeah. The the, the business of being alive. You know, the term I've heard- Lately around this, I don't know if you've heard this term. It's a term that comes from the millennials called adulting. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, um, in life, if you want to be a successful human being, guess what? There's going to be a lot of adulting. Adulting. Figuring out who pays the fucking bills. Right. You know, and the other one, I hear this a lot. I don't know if you guys hear this. Like people say, oh, well, you know, we fight. Number one thing we fight about in our marriage is money. Yes, it is. And I don't understand this. And, and the reason I don't understand it, look, I understand, you know, as George uh, uh, W. Bush famously said, it can be hard to put food on your family. So I understand financial struggle. I get that. Yes. But the part I don't get is it's not that hard to sit down and say, okay, okay you know, honey, this is how much we made last year. Yes. Right. You, you can fucking figure that out. Matter of fact, Uncle Sam forces you to. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. It's not that hard to sit down and say, okay, honey, uh, this is what we spent last year and begin to have this conversation called, I, I call it pay for the party. How are we going to pay for the party? Right. Yes. That is to say, how are we going to cover the lifestyle we want to have? How are we going to deal with our core set of expenses? And should we cut some shit out or should we reswizzle some shit and all that? But if you have an annual conversation with your spouse called, how much did we spend? How much did we make? And then a forward-looking 12-month budget plan. Well, right. based on last everything. year. Yeah, based on last year, what do we want to do this year? What needs to be different? What do we think we're going to earn? Et cetera. There's a way to do this, right? There is, but there's a baggage piece to it that a lot of us ignore and don't want to face the music. And the, it's, it's our childhood baggage that we're pulling in. Brandy didn't get to have anything as a kid, so I'm going to spend whatever I want because that's what I deserve, right? Or, you know, I, maybe Lance didn't have anything as a kid, so you better save and you better not spend anything. And so you have these two different baggage, you know, again, the Samsonites you're bringing into the relationship that 
if you just got real on what the the thing was you were trying to feed and figuring all that out, like it would be much easier to have a real conversation and say, okay, so how could we feed that little girl that didn't get to have the shoes that she wanted when she was in fourth grade? Like, how could we feed that and still meet our yeah. budget? And how can we still, you know, serve the little boy that felt like he needed to save in order to have security, because that's what most men want, right, is security. How can we do that and still I'm not sure that's what most men want, but okay, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. Well, you know, the the beautiful part of this example, if you use finances as an example too, is they're they're not easy conversations to have, but once you do, they can actually be really connecting. Oh, very. Because a couple, when they have a plan, whatever that plan is for them with finances, you need to be, that's the first opportunity to become a real good team. You know, to, to play on the field together, each one having your own strengths. One could be quarterback, wide receiver, whatever. You know, each one has their own roles and strengths in that. And there's a lot of victories to be achieved in that. And it's really connecting that way. So something that can be so dividing also has an opportunity to be truly connecting. But I think what you just said is such an important piece um, for people to hear is that so often, like think about your role, Chris, your CMO in just about every world that you walk into, right? If somebody said, hey, Chris, I'm really upset with you because the bills didn't get paid. You're going to be like, what? I'm the CMO. We don't take that same approach in our relationships, okay? If someone sucks at finances and the other one is awesome, why isn't the awesome person doing the finances? And if somebody's great at cooking and the other one isn't, let the good cook do the cooking and the other one do the damn dishes. Like, but if I looked at him and said, you never make dinner. Well, your dinner sucks. So no, I don't want you to make I'm dinner. Really I'm good at doing dishes. Yeah, but right? Like, so we, we tend to, st- yes. to focus on these stupid things that we're good at, but yet the other one's not doing, instead of thinking of, okay, if this is a real partnership, if you're the CMO and I'm the CFO, I'm going to stay in my lane, you're going to stay in your lane, yes. you crush your lane, I'm going to crush my lane, right? In yes. relationships, we don't think the same way. That yes. changed that everything for us. Right. It changed everything for us. So getting who's going to, who's on first and who's on second. and, and Yes. What's you know, your like, role? T- to your point on the cooking, right? I suck at cooking and I live- with a master chef. Now, interest. So when it comes to cooking, she's in charge. However, there's a small little asterisk. Hey, guess what? <laughs> you know what? I make her tea and toast in the morning. Oh, right. And See? other than tea and toast, the only other thing I can really make are eggs. So if she feels like some eggs. I make her eggs. So yep. in the domain of cooking, she's in charge of everything. And in the one little area where I can do something that doesn't totally suck then you know what for breakfast i make her tea and if she wants toast or if she wants an egg i ask her and i make her that right so it's interesting even in the areas where the other leads if if the partner can supplement here and there then then great right and so right i i guess this leads me to a question which is how do you think couples should sort of figure out that ebb and flow so that it's um, natural so that you feel like you're in a state of flow with your partner. Um, and so she leads in the areas that she leads, you lead in the areas that you lead. And then there's this overlap area where sometimes, you know, even, even I can make toast, you know, so, so how do you guys think about sort of that, the ebb and the flow of who's leading, uh, who's not, and, and how we stay, uh, synced up together? 
You want to go? Yeah. You know, the first thing, and you might have something else, but the first thing that comes to mind is just practicing talking about it. I mean, that sounds like a stupid, you know, simple and maybe stupid thing to say, but really Brandy and I talk a shit ton and, you know, where we've gotten through practice, it's not, you know, at first it can be awkward and just like anything else you're not good at, you become good at it by making a habit and rhythm out of it and continuously doing it. Brandy and I talk about the ebbs and flows. We talk about what's good in the moment and what's not so good and what can be better and what's, what's going really well. And, you know, for lack of a better thing, we, you know, we communicate every day, you know, we get up in the morning and do it. It's a big part of our morning routine together is talking about shit. Right. Which is the book. Yeah. I, I have a, a very practical tip for people. because That's, that's me as a teacher. Um, so step one is understand what your strengths are. Like you already know, okay. You're, if you're married, you've already had enough years on the planet that you know what you're naturally good at. Do you cook? No, does someone else <laughs> like? Do you need to hire that out? Great, hire it out. Like, are you c- capable of handling finances? If not, is the other person like? It's really just like going through all of the things and saying, "Wait, hey, he, this is this is my jam. This is not my jam. This is my jam. This is not my jam." Step one, and step two is, do you enjoy it? Nope. Yes. Nope. Yes. Okay, so then you have a few things that are left on the table that everybody sucks at and no one is like enjoys, right? If you don't have the money to hire it out, just divvy it up. Just here, you take that, I'll take this. Yeah. I'll ask so my just mom to be help with that. Some more right? adulting. So just sit adult. down, talk about <laughs> right. it. How are we gonna handle dishes? Right. How are we gonna handle garbage? How are we gonna handle right. dropping kids off at school or whatever, whatever? Like just right. that basic shit. The other one I'm curious about, did you do this? I certainly did this in my relationship. How are we going to talk to and about each other? Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, you know, the funny thing is, Chris, is I, I have this, for me, it, it, maybe it's just natural. And so maybe for some other men, it, it's a more difficult thing to deal with. But I truly am inspired by Brandy. So I probably, you know, I probably should be a little better at this, but I give her more accolades, you know, and around other people than, than she even knows yeah, about. Yeah, we've never struggled with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am so impressed by her and yeah, her journey and her life that I dote all over her to other people, you know. it's Because I, I, I find it amazing when somebody's shitting on their spouse. I don't get that. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. We've never struggled with this. A, a part of me... Is, is like, so, you know, we have kids, clearly. And so the kids will come home, Huli especially, because now she's almost 11 at that age, where she'll be like, so-and-so is saying this bad thing about so-and-so, and they're talking this and that. And this. It's the same in your relationship as what happens in, in child life. We're ch- someone, this is, a, this is a you element. This is an emotional intelligence, a social intelligence issue, in my opinion. So if you are, are in a relationship and you are going out to the world and talking shit, there's something going on with you that you're either trying to make yourself feel better, trying to make yourself look better. Like this isn't a you issue. This has nothing to do with your spouse. And so that's one of the things that I, I believe that Lance and I were exempt from is I don't think that we had low social intelligence when it came to, you know, bad mouthing our partner, yeah. but it is, it is a bit of an epidemic if you ask me. Yeah, And if you're in that space, you know, listening to this and you're in that space right now, the, the first thing is just stop just yeah. stop but, stop, but number yeah. two is you know there's we re- have heard about this exercise in so is you know 
you guys fell in love for a reason. There was something that brought the two of you together. And there are ways of recapturing that by writing it down. Write it down. Fucking write down 10 things about your spouse you actually really love about them. Or why you fell in love with why them. Why you fell in love yeah. in the first place. Go back place. to the original story. Go back to that appreciation and gratitude that yeah. you remember. It's because Lance you know. is so handsome. That, yeah. that, that, that had to have been a contributing factor. It's true. It yeah. true. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to sort of talk to you guys about, um, Carrie and I did this as part of our relationship design, which is the minute we're out, of flow or out of sync or however you think about it, we need to deal with it. Yes. So it may sound insane, but we hardly ever fight. A, a half hour fight is an eternity for us. And we're hardly ever out of flow. And what I mean by out of flow is uh, where we don't feel like we're connected and we're on the same right. team. Right. And one of the ways that we did that is if something's off, we deal with it. Yes. And then here's the other part. And she's a master at this. Once it's dealt with, that's it. Let it go. And there, I just want, I just looked it up so that I made sure that I got it right. Uh, Jim Barksdale, who uh, was one of the top executives who helped build FedEx and then famously became the CEO of uh, Netscape. And Netscape really was the company that uh, with their navigator browser made the internet go. And he had all these kind of Southern gentleman expressions. And, and here's, here's one of them. If you see a snake, kill it. And don't play with dead snakes. And everything <laughs> looks like a snake at first. <laughs> but this thing about, okay, when there's a problem, you deal with it. Right. And then yes. you don't, like, my wife doesn't show back up like in a month from now and go, remember that mm -hmm. thing you did just before Christmas? <laughs> There's none of that. And there's, there's none of that for me either. And not only that, you know how I, when you have a fight with somebody, even after it resolves, there can it can feel like the fight lingers like a fart in an the elevator. Tension. Yeah, <laughs> the tension where you're like, okay, you, you're saying you're over it, but I don't feel like you're over it. Right. We, we've agreed yeah. that that's it. We had a, a, um, a few friends over for dinner uh, a couple weeks ago and um, she made a real shitty sort of snappy comment to me that was, you know, not cool. And I looked at her and she looked at me and other people heard it. And it was very out of character for our relationship. And she gave it a minute to dissipate. And then when everybody was sort of not hearing that anymore, so to speak, she, um, she said, hey, come here. And uh, she pulled me aside into another room. And she said, I, I heard it the minute I said it. And I'm, oh. really, and I'm really sorry. And I apologize. And I said, great baby, I love you. Thank you. Done. That was That's it. it. It's, it's over. Never, I didn't bring it up later. We didn't have to rehash it. We didn't have to unpack it. We didn't, no. I didn't have to talk about how that brought so up good. feelings from when I was four and the time <laughs> I didn't, I don't know what, or any of that <laughs> shit. Right? We just, oh. That's a snake? Oh, that's a real snake. Okay, whack that snake and onward, right? Yeah, we're and not playing with a dead snake. No playing with dead snakes. Yeah. It, that's, it's, that's perfect advice. And I think that's the difference between how we were and how we are now. Because we would beat a dead horse or play with that darn dead snake 
I mean, until it got awkward, like what are, what is it that the two of you are still doing? Like you're still talking about the same thing that happened four fucking years ago. Like, stop it. And now, I mean, you saw on Instagram, I was pissed off about the peanut butter. Here's the thing. And this is what I love so much about the story you just shared about Gary. Okay. We're all human. All right. We're all going to show up like shits every once in a while. It's going to happen. Okay. So just know in your relationship, neither one of you are perfect. You don't wear halos. And so someone's going to mess up. And guess what? Sorry. Get over it. And, And listen, we will say if you are married to a person, you're going to say shitty shit to her. Amen. You just are. Even you are. if you're even if you're frontal lobing training yourself to never do that, every once in a while, <laughs> shit's going to slip, right? You're going to mess up. Yes. You're going to mess up, right? And so there's this expression I love, stop, change, start. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what we we've designed our relationship that way. And we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but there no we there are no there are no hanging chads or farts that live in the elevator for you know years or whatever (laughs) and uh and to your point you know um on one hand you you mentioned friendship on one hand i believe uh having a powerful friendship with your with your partner is obviously critical It, it, it is however there's a little there's a little flip side to that which is, I think it's the the harbinger of a strong relationship, having strong um, friendships outside the outside. relationship. Because if the relationship has to be your best, you know, if your spouse is quote unquote your best friend, and look, I get what most people mean when they say that, and it's very sweet and nice, so I'm not being an yes. idiot about that. No, but I at the same it. time, if the whole, if your whole fucking relatedness in the world is 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 on somebody else or is in one relationship however you want to think about it at least it's been my experience that it's too much that that a harbinger of a powerful relationship primary relationship is that both uh parties so to speak have really powerful friendships outside of that relationship so i'm, I'm curious what you guys think about um oh. that dynamic Oh yeah, because when you talk about leaning too much on one person for the, for that one relationship you're talking about, you're getting into the realm of codependency, right? You know, so we firmly believe in you know the idea of you know two people. I'm going to hold my fingers here of being able to get as close as they possibly can, but also there's a separateness. You know, it could be like you said, other friends, friendships outside of that friendship, but it's also a life outside of the life that you have together. You have this beautiful life together, but you're also able to be apart and also come back together because codependency looks more like this, you know, or, or one person leaning. Cause if this person goes away, this person falls. And it kind of goes back to that whole you piece, that single, happy, healthy person that can stand on their own. So yeah, absolutely. You know, Brandy yeah. is my best friend and there's things I tell her that I would never tell anybody else. But yeah, we have our own friendships. We have our own relationships. We have our own lives. Passions, own things passions that we right. do that are not yeah. part of each other. I love to go trail running. She could give two shits about going trail running, right. you know? So it's muddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's muddy. That's <laughs> funny, but it's so true. And I, I love the visual of when you're leaning on each other, when one is down, you both fall. And so when you stand on your own, and this is where the you element comes in with your own friendships, 
like the friendship part is your friendship together in order to reach the pinnacle of intimate lovers. But the friendship part for your yourself is in the you element because it's foundational for you to be able to be a thriving, happy, healthy person. Yeah. We, we need other people. We need separation from each other. And I mean, he, I can't expect him to check all my boxes and fill all my buckets, right? Give me a break. He's one person. Yeah. And look, my experience has been, and I see this equally with women and men, that um, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, um, you know, look, guys need to be with other guys. Yeah. Gals need to be with other gals. You know, my wife has deep, powerful relationships with a set of women and she goes off and does stuff with them. They travel together. They have dinner. They have whatever it is they do their things together that don't include any of the men in their lives. And I do that with my guy friends. And look, I don't know what it's like to be um, uh, homosexual, but I got to believe even in same-sex marriages or relationships, it's critical to break out of that relationship and spend time um, with other people and to have powerful relationships with other people outside the relationship. And so... um, I, I, I just see a lot of relationships where the couple is kind of everything on each other and it seems like yeah. it's too heavy. It, it, it's, it's, they're not, it is. To, to get back to your first point, you, right? You have to be a strong, independent person and then have strong, independent relationships and then be in a relationship. Is that, is that, is that how you think about 100%. it or how do you think about it? Yeah. No, that's exactly how I think about it. And, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the part for us where kids and why our, our you know, our, our niche is, is kids, our couples with kids, because that's where a lot of couples, like you, you enter into this relationship and you have friendships and then you have, you know, all the other things that you have in your life. And as soon as you in, insert the children, one of the first things to go is your friendships. Yep. Because there's only so many hours in the day, right? And so now we have to keep this kid alive. We have to take it to soccer. We have to do all these things. And then how do we get that back on track? And it's one of the first things to go. And it's one of the first things where we lose ourselves and we lose our happiness and we lose that that sense of joy and friendship and you know things that we had before. And so that's like one of the step ones is to yeah. start to develop those friendships back again when, when couples have kids. I have read uh, numerous reports about this um and the aha is the loneliest demographic in america is men past the age of 40 most men in the united states do not make one meaningful friend past college wow because men tend to have what the shrinks call shoulder to shoulder relationships that is to say we do shit with each other and women tend to have face-to-face relationships and in the case of men, uh, uh, the, the way we develop face-to-face relationships is they start as shoulder-to-shoulder relationships, and then we talk to each other. So first we go skiing, then we talk, right? Uh, with yes. women, it tends to, and of course, this is a massive overgeneralization, but with women, it tends to be the other way. They have face-to-face relationships. They connect over coffee and topics and areas of interest and so forth, and then then maybe they do stuff together. Right. Um, and so that sort of destruction of, of, for men anyway, the ability to make friends past college, it, it, it leads to a lot of bad things, both for men as well as I think for, uh, for relationships. Now I'm curious, um, number four, intimacy. So do, you, do we want to talk about sex here, uh, folks? Yeah, 
go. Go ahead. Yeah. So how do you fourth element? (laughs) Yeah. How do you how do you reclaim that or or uh, how do you think about it? Well, how you reclaim it is to go through the steps properly, because what was interesting for us, and we now have watched this happen with other couples, that once you go through each step and your partnership is solid and your friendship is is developing and you're enjoying each other, that part starts to become really easy because when you are comfortable and vulnerable with somebody, it's easy to say, hey, how about we try this? Or, hey, I'd rather you do this. Or do you want to try that? Because you're friends. And it's not so like, oh, awkward. Like, do you yeah, I think, do I it think, tonight? You know, getting to that place of vulnerability, especially for Brandy, you know, was born through our friendship. Yes. Me creating a safe space for her to be able to say, you know, I really don't like it when you do that. But, hey. I like it when you do do this. Yes. And so like, do more of that, less of this. And, you know, but that came up through our, our friendship. friendship of being so close and intimate, you know, from that connected level that there was safety in being vulnerable and her telling me what she wanted. Right. Um, and so I, th- I think a, a big piece of a legendary lover's relationship is communication and having the balls and the comfortable, you know, moment to be able to say, Hey, how about this? Or how about not this? But the other piece of it is, you know, and and this sounds super unsexy, but for us, it it throws us back to the partnership part of saying, okay, in our relationship, if we want to be having sex X amount of times this often, um, we better at least get it on the fucking calendar. Okay, because with all the juggling and all the things, right, and and all the things going on, and it's like, okay, tonight is is a night, and so you you feel a little more primed and you're ready, and it's not so like, okay, well, I'm just gonna go to bed because I'm fucking tired. <laughs> There's a little bit more of okay, like tonight's the night, because if we don't do it tonight or we don't do it, like the days just start to go, especially when you've got too much going on. You're like, oh wait, it's been a couple weeks, and that's not who we are. You know, it's not, that's not the lover element that we want. And it doesn't need to be like a fucking romance novel every single time either. You know, sometimes it's just a niche that needs to be scratched too. And it's like, you know, you're like, oh, you know sometimes it's hard to go to the gym, right? But you're never at the, after you leave the gym going, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, you know? So, I mean, you know, right. every time, you know, no we work up into, you know, maybe one of us doesn't want to have sex in a moment, but every time, I'm all, if it's me, I'm like, I'm glad, glad we did that. You know? Right, we, we heard from after friends sex, of ours. No yeah. guy ever said, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Yeah, right. well, that sucked. Right. Well, <laughs> women don't either. I mean, that's that's the other thing. Like, so there's a, a always say yes agreement in our relationship. Like, if so, one of us wants it, you're like, you can't say no. And we learned that from, from our friends, the Colonies, where it's like, no, you just, you always say yes. And the yes. other thing is, is that for us, again, throw the kids element and we homeschool. And so not the easiest thing in the world to have happen. We have a tiny house. And we have a tiny house with 1,400 square feet with one bathroom. So door locked, shower time. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you created the shed out back that you tie the children up in, right? (laughs) No, actually, we we do it out here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you tie yourselves up in the shed. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy and daddy got to work. We got to make some videos today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
Dad's going to give mom a special hug for about 15 <laughs> seconds and just give us a moment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you do, sometimes you have to get creative and, yeah. and it, to be able to get creative for a lot of couples, the friendship does have to be solid because some people, and we learn this more and more as we're, you know, in this space now, having those more uncomfortable moments is, is hard where it's like, oh, okay, so the kids are in the house. We're in the shed, like office shed, like drop the shades and. Let's yeah. have some shed sex. Let's yeah. have some shed sex. Yeah. Get the old rawhide going. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, listen, is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, I would like to, to touch on the element that we added to the Miracle Morning book, yeah. which is um, why we were asked to write the book. And so we've been doing the Miracle Morning for a long time. It was one of the first things that Lance and I both did to move our you element forward. And it's just a consistent time in the morning where we focus on ourselves and do what Hal calls the savers. And so as we continue just to remind do that, me the, the acronym SAVERS stands S, for silence. Silence. A is affirmations. V is visualization. E is exercise. R is reading. And S is scribing, writing. So Lance and I would do our miracle mornings and we would come together and we'd just be sitting on the couch and we'd be finishing our reading and you know, we'd find that we'd put our, one of us would put our hand on our leg or he'd put his arm around me and we would just sit there and do it. And then we would share what we were learning and then we would talk about our day and then we would go about our day. And so in the beginning, we had this really intentional evening routine where we, when we were first fixing our marriage and we would check in, okay, how did I do on this? How's this going? Like what? Yeah. Gratitude, like just some basics, like just let's get ourselves on a positive momentum. So then we started adding some of that to the morning and Long story short, we dropped it down to four um, more elements or four more things that we did every single morning, which is now team. And what was interesting about it is we started studying teams and legendary teams and what made a legendary team. And all of it just started to align. And it's it fits with our elements perfectly. It lays out with um, the savers perfectly. And yeah. So I don't know if you actually said what it stood no, for. So T E A M T is touch. So every morning, this is all we do this together in the morning. It's quick too. You can do it in ten minutes. It doesn't take long, but it builds so much connection for the whole day. It sets a tone for the whole day. T is touch. E is education. So that could be us talking about the things we're reading or the podcast we listen to. Or do you did you hear what Chris Lockhead said? You know, let's talk about that. You know. Um, or we listen to something together. You know, a podcast. You know, whatever. Education. A is appreciation. So we take that gratitude thing that really turned our relationship around and we share something that we appreciate about each other. One one or two things, like a little thing, like yesterday you did this and I appreciate it. Or thanks for making the coffee, you know, um, anything as small as that. And M is meeting. That's, you know, talking about either the calendar or how we're doing as a couple, you know, what's coming. Check in, like, hey. What's going on today too? Or, you know, just something simple like that. And that M is is what again, Lance? Meeting. Meeting. Meeting, yeah. It's a short meeting, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
So there's no surprises because, again, if you go back to that partnership piece of the relationship, it's like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. You know, tell you about that meeting. Well, God, I can't go to the grocery store now or whatever, or I can't take yeah. the kids to here. You know, So we check right. in and say, these are the things that are going on. These are the things that are happening. And this is super uh, quick, though. Again, all of this happens in less than 10 minutes. Like it's, it's so fast. And what we realize is day over day, that compound effect of doing those four things every day, we were like, whoa. That improved our daily interaction as a couple so much in such a short period of time that poof, that's awesome. morning for couples. Yeah. You know, and on the first one, touch, I'm always amazed as I observe couples. Uh, and of course, I don't have any data, but there seems to be a large percentage of couples. You know, you could spend couple hours with them at a party or, or out to dinner or whatever the thing is and just observe couples. And I, there's two things I always am looking for. One, um, do they behave differently? Mm-hmm. Right. So often we have, we we see or are more, more friends with one person in a couple than another. Um, yeah. And so I always look at, when the other part of the couple is around, does the person that I know better change in any kind of meaningful way? Because that's a giant red flag for me. And I see this a lot with guys, right? It's like they act one way around their buddies and then their wife shows up and like it's a whole other story. Um, and But the other one getting back to T and team is touch how, um, this in physical is probably not a word, but unphysical, um, we get it. Yeah, it's true. You, do you notice that? A lot of couples yeah. rarely seem to touch each other. Right. And I'll, and I'll tell you that, it, it, honestly, this is where I think these elements are so important for people to understand. It's because of the the two, the two three elements before lovers. Like touching is, is a lover's intimate thing. And like, I want to touch you kind of thing, but I struggle to want to touch you if our, our partnership isn't together and I don't feel like we're friends. Like, or I have low social intelligence or emotional intelligence, or I'm, you know, carrying my Samsonites with me everywhere I go because I'm struggling. Like there's, there's these other things that are contributing to it. Like for so long, we would battle the fact that we didn't have sex very often. And really just him taking out the trash and getting our, you know, life in order and me being able to feel confident and having a conversation with him, sex is no longer a problem. Imagine that. (laughs) <laughs> touching him is right. Touching him is easy. Like, it's not like, like, cause I, guess what? I like him. So you want to like the person. And that, that's what I think is happening is we're there. Well, I mean, you'll see in the beginning of our book, the stats on marriage, 50% end in a divorce and only 17 of those 50% actually say that they're in a happy relationship. 17% of the 50. So the 50 that divorce 17% of them then go on to a, a happy no, relationship? Seven, 17% of those that stay married are in a happy relationship. So 17% of married couples report being happy. Correct. Like truly happy? Yeah. That's wow. a pretty pretty low statistic, so that's why you're not seeing touching. Yeah, right, because only 17% of couples like each other, and I'm not going to touch you if I don't like you. <laughs> no, you got to like, right. I didn't. When I didn't like him, I didn't put my hand on his thigh, you know? Like she's right now. Yeah, too. that wasn't like a common thing I would do. And now we do it every single morning. That's how we start our day is an, like mentally, you know, like put my yeah. hand on you in some way. Like it's, yeah. right? 
And no, so not I, only I the it. routine of it, but also that I, our friendship is solid and our, I don't have to worry about the basics. So it's easier. It just comes more natural. I love it. All right, guys. Anything else before we wrap? No, nope, that's it. Well, that's Lance, yeah. Brandy, thank you. I'm thank so you. glad you wrote you. this book. Plus two. We're excited. Yeah. You partnering with Hal on this is a very important thing. And I, uh, I have no doubt it's going to be a ginormo bestseller. And uh, I don't know all the Miracle Morning books, but I got to believe this is as needed, if not more needed than, than any of the other Miracle Morning books that came before it. Um, because look, we've all been in shitty places in our, in our relationships. And 17% is a pretty shitty number. Yeah. You know, and if we want to have a healthy and successful world, we got to be healthy and successful people and we got to have healthy and successful primary relationships. Right. Yep. So thank you for writing this book. I love you both. Oh, we love thank you, you too, Chris. Thanks man. for having us. Whew. Man, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm just so stoked to have those guys in my life and I couldn't be more proud of them for writing a great book. Now, is it grow time for your business? It's got to be grow time. A NetSuite wanna, wants to help you master your growth. NetSuite's order management capabilities help you streamline everything about uh, taking orders, uh, processing orders, fulfilling orders, uh, and getting paid for those orders. <laughs> NetSuite removes manual bottlenecks, uh, preventing errors along the way. If you if you haven't automated your entire order management process, um, you know stuff can fall between the cracks, and we don't like that. And so we want a smooth process from sales quote all the way through to order fulfillment timely invoicing, and getting paid. Don't we like to get paid? NetSuite's order and billing management capabilities integrate your sales, finance, and fulfillment teams to improve quote accuracy, eliminate billing errors, and strengthen your revenue recognition while driving fulfillment and accuracy across the entire cycle. So, why not check out NetSuite.com and specifically NetSuite.com slash different. As a listener to this podcast, NetSuite is offering you a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. And NetSuite actually has specialized capabilities for almost any industry you can think of, including nonprofits. And NetSuite is surprisingly cost-effective. So why not visit NetSuite.com slash different today. Also, uh, if you want to send us email, Always love to hear from you. We try to get back to everybody. If you have a question you want me to deal with on an upcoming episode, by all means, send us email to blackhole at lockhead.com. And uh, if you want to connect on Twitter, I'm at lockhead. And uh, uh, same on Instagram, at L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D. All right. We would like to thank the amazing new book by our friends Lance and Brandy Salazar and, of course, the legendary Hal Elrod, the new Miracle Morning for Couples, creating a legendary connection one morning at a time. We're everywhere uh, available, <laughs> everywhere you get legendary books. And speaking of legendary, you can find uh, Brandy and Lance at legendarycouples, all one word, dot com. They've got a gorgeous website. Go check them out. Speaking of uh, legendary shit, why not check out Niche Down, How to Become Legendary by Being Different, the number one bestseller from Heather Clancy and myself. Uh, check us out on Amazon.com. 
a nonprofit that I love. I'm stoked to have been involved with from the very beginning. And it's actually how I met uh, Brandy and Lance is through uh, my connection to OneLifeFullyLived.org. This is an amazing community of people who are helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. And because we're a nonprofit, we try to do that for you as close to free as possible, <laughs> whether it's our programs or, or other things. So check out one, uh, the number one, LifeFullyLived.org today. And um, if you're an entrepreneur, if you work in an entrepreneurial business, why not check out GrowWire? It's the new place on the internet for stories of innovation for entrepreneurial businesses. Check out GrowWire.com. And um, hey, if you're somebody trying to get a lot of stuff done, you're trying to focus on um, the things that you can really make a difference in and trying to offload some stuff that uh, maybe you need some help with, why not think about a virtual assistant? Bottleneck Virtual Assistance is here to provide you with the resources you need to get stuff done so you can focus on the stuff that matters. Why not check out Bottleneck, all one word, dot online today. And the amazing folks at the Front Row Foundation. The Front Row Foundation is a nonprofit that helps people with uh, terminally, terminally ill conditions or life-threatening conditions have an experience that they will never forget. Check out frontrowfoundation.org. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this podcast is clearly produced in a studio that does contain nuts. And uh, hey, why not get busy and design a legendary relationship? Uh, please take note, however, that this podcast may contain very bad ideas and uh, often goes down a little bit easier with an adult beverage. Um, don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Uh, never jog near a prison. Don't forget to channel your legendary. Listen to Tom Jones. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. Hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, uh, our deepest apologies go to Richard C. Kelly, chairman of the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Sorry, Dickie, we just ran out of time for you. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. And uh, to work together again, follow your difference.